So Money episode 251, Selena Sue. You're listening to So Money with award-winning money guru, Farnoosh Torabi. Each day, get a 30-minute dose of financial inspiration from the world's top business minds, authors, influencers, and from Farnoosh herself. Looking for ways to save on gas or double your double coupons? Sorry, you're in the wrong place. Seeking profound ways to live a richer, happier life? Welcome to So Money. Hello and welcome back to So Money, everyone. I'm your host, Farnoosh Tarabi. Today's guest is someone I've proudly worked with to help me steer my previous book launch and elevate my business. And I think what she does to help clients is simply outstanding and one of a kind. I am a little biased, but I'm very, very serious here. Teaming up with her has been hands down one of the best investments I've ever made in growing my brand. I want to welcome today to the show, Selena Sue. Now, after working in the nonprofit world, making around $42,000 a year in New York City, which is hard in this city, believe it or not, the most expensive city in the world, uh, Selena decided in 2012 to go to business school and change gears, just go into a whole new career. And at first, she was interested in PR, but realized that it just didn't give her the opportunity to do her favorite thing, which is to connect with people genuinely without an agenda. So she decided to explore the idea of becoming a publicity and business coach, a service that she herself had paid for many times. Fast forward to today, she is a highly sought after business and publicity coach for visionary entrepreneurs, experts, and authors. And through her company, S2 Group, she helps her clients increase their visibility, build powerful relationships, and develop solid business strategies so that they can reach the masses with their message. Selena writes for Forbes, Huffington Post, and Positively Positive. She offers a free 31-page report where she shares how she went from zero to $157,000 in her first year as a coach. And in the report and throughout our conversation now, she discusses how she figured out what to charge when she was just getting started and how she overcame fears of selling how she got people to see her as a rising leader in her industry, even when she had no clients and no email list, and developing win-win relationships with media, influencers, and online stars. You got to listen to this interview. Her business is exploding, bringing in that $157,000 in the first year back in 2013, doubling that in the second, and is now on track to double again this year onto making seven figures for sure in the not too distant future. So without further ado, here is Selena Sue. Selena Sue, welcome to So Money. My gosh, why haven't I had you on the show earlier? I don't know. I think we've just been so busy working together and getting things done. (laughs) I know. I was just saying in the introduction that you have been, I will say this, I don't say this a lot about a lot of investments, but uh, you're one of the best investments I've ever made in my business and in my self-development and business development. So I just want to say thank you officially in front of all these thousands and thousands of listeners. Uh, You've really made a difference in my life. So thank you. Thank you. I'm so moved. (laughs) Well, Selena, you are a busy woman and uh, it's why you're so successful. I'd like to go back, though, to the beginning. I I, I remember it's because I follow as well as being your friend and your client. I also follow you online and I subscribe to your email list, which everybody should do. But you uh, shared with us at one point that contrary to what popular belief may be, because 
let's be honest, you work in publicity, you work in business coaching, that mm-hmm. you actually were not the most outgoing person growing up, that you were kind of shy. So very curious yeah. how someone like you with your personality um, wants to even venture into this particular niche. And then how did you overcome any kind of emotional trepidations or barriers to crossing that bridge? Yeah, that's an interesting question. I would have to say that I still consider myself to be someone who's shy and someone who's introverted. I think um, for me, what makes all the difference is like I'm doing the thing that I'm most passionate about in the world. So there's like nothing that I'd rather spend my time doing than this, which is really helping people um, become more successful in their businesses and helping visionary people get their message out into the world. And so when I'm doing things, I'm really like leading with passion and it's not about myself. So there's nothing really to be self-conscious about when I'm just out there helping people. So I think that makes a major difference. And I think that, um, yeah, because in starting my business, I've had to do so many things that are completely outside of my comfort zone. Like, um, and now I'm more comfortable, but things like public speaking, even when I put up my website and I had like a big picture of myself on the homepage, like I felt so arrogant, like who do I think I am? I don't even have like, you know, much experience or any experience as a business owner. It was really tough for me. Um, but I think that the thing is, I just have such a strong desire to make a big difference. And I understand like intellectually what it takes, you know, in terms of putting yourself out there in a certain way, doing certain things. And my desire to make that happen is so, so strong that I just like push forward, even though I'm extremely uncomfortable. And then just over time, as you keep on doing things and, you know, you take small steps, it's not all big steps at once, but with every small step that you, and, you know, um, kind of fear that you manage to overcome, then you start developing confidence. So that's sort of how it worked for me. And what do your clients typically come to you for, for for the most part, would you say? I came to you for a very specific reason. I wanted your help connecting me with influencers online who could help me with my book launch. And that actually transformed into bigger things that I didn't even know I could be potentially working on, which are like online products and a podcast. So you've definitely opened my eyes Uh, and my world to possibilities. But for you, when you work with your visionary clients, and a lot of them are entrepreneurs, a lot of them are online influencers or uh, in the self-help category, what do you find to be the, the most common, I guess, weakness or area for growth? Yeah. Um, and I, I have two groups of clients. So I have people who join um, my group programs and um, I also have some private clients who I work with one-on-one or in my mastermind. But it actually all does come down to the same thing. It's people feeling like nobody knows who I am. You know, um, everyone that I work with is someone who's passionate about their work. They really want to make a big difference in the world. And you know, maybe there's a couple of people that know about them, or maybe it's a small community of a, you know, a couple thousand on their email list, or they've got like 10, you know, great clients or whatever it is. Um, but they know that they are meant to reach more people with their work. Um, so whether it is, you know, wanting to build up their online audience and, um, you know, launch group programs and have just, you know, successful, um, you know, launches of their private coaching programs, or if it is, you know, they want to be speaking on big stages, they want to um, get their book out into the world, but everyone is looking just to reach more people. And so that's what they come to me for. Right. Hey, it's priceless, right? Getting more visibility. Like I said, you are a great investment. What are you working on right now that is that you're excited about? 
Yeah. So this is something I am so passionate about. And this is a course I've created called Influence. Turn people you admire into friends, mentors, and clients. And the so the interesting thing is it's a course on networking. And so many people, including people that I really care about and trust, have said no one is going to buy a course on networking. And um, I did take what they said to heart. And I think there were some really valid points. I think that for a lot of people, you know, networking is seen as a dirty word, um, that it feels transactional. But for me, and I imagine for you too, Farnoosh, like, you know, when I hear the word networking, I think about, you know, oh, this is just me helping people. This is me adding value. This is about me connecting with super interesting people. So I've never really had that negative connotation in my mind. And I knew how it could just totally change people's lives um, if they knew how to build these relationships in the right way. But so when I developed the course and, you know, create a sales page, I don't even use the word networking, maybe like two times and like a 15 or 20, you know, page sales. Um, yeah, page. So it's basically like my philosophy is like everything you want in life comes down to other people. You know, if you're looking to get clients, it comes down to people believing that you're the go-to expert, you know, people referring other people to you. I mean, we connected Farnoosh because somebody told you that we should connect mm -hmm. and put us in touch, you know? So that's how people get clients in terms of media opportunities. It's about, it's not just about sending an email into black hole. It's also about building a relationship with the magazine editor, the TV producer, or somebody who, who has gotten the media opportunities you want, who is, and then connecting you and then mentors, you know, pe people are going to mentor you because they like you. So there's, you know, the, like when you understand how to build these powerful relationships, that kind of opens up the doors to everything you want. I don't think that there's anybody who really teaches it quite the way that I do. Um, and, you know, it's just like my genius zone. I think a lot of people theoretically understand the ideas, oh, I should add value or I should go out and meet people. But, you know, I think it's really helpful to break all these things down into extreme detail so that you become this really masterful relationship builder. Um, and so that's what the course is about. I am very curious now. I haven't taken your course, but I've worked with you and I know you have this genius, but can you distill it for our audience? Maybe just one example of how to not just, you know, go out and meet people. It's not just sending out an email into the ether. <laughs> um, like I don't even have business cards because I, I, A, mm -hmm. I'm maybe too lazy to print them, but also because I feel like in now in a world of Google and Facebook and Twitter, you can, and LinkedIn, like you can find me as long as you know how to sort of spell my name. <laughs> right, um, right, right. So, and that's maybe a tangent, but I, I'm curious, what would you say is one of your proudest tips uh, that is different than what we normally think about when it comes to networking? Um, sure. I think that one of the most important things that people need to understand is not to wait for opportunities to happen, but rather to create them. So I think that sometimes, you know, people identify people that they admire, they want to help them. And maybe they'll email them and they'll be like, how can I help you? You know, so Farnoosh, just imagine, you know, you're busy, you've got your kid, you've got your business and someone emails you out the blue that you don't really know. And it's like, oh, Farnoosh, they might say some nice things like, I really like you. I follow your podcast. How can I help you? And this happens all the time, whether it's, you know, over email or in person, but it's like that you don't know who is emailing you. So it's like, you don't know how they could help you. You know, really, I think if somebody wants to, um, impress someone, they need to come to the table with their own ideas. And they should be able to come to the table with ideas because they're 
following the person, um, someone that they're naturally passionate about. So they have an idea of what they're, what's happening in their world, what's going on online, or maybe they do a bit of research. Um, but one example that I like to share is with Danielle Laporte, when she had her book, The Firestarter Sessions, come out, I knew it was launching pretty soon. And I just, you know, we had a relationship over email. We weren't, you know, super close, but we were in touch. And I just reached out to her and I said, you know, do the people at Oprah know about your um, book coming out? Because I would love to tell them about it. And I didn't even really have any strong contacts there, but I just came up with a way to be helpful. And she said, oh yeah, I would love that. Right. So all she did do was say yes. And then I, um, you know, when I'm like there to help someone, I kind of treat their business like it's my own business. I just get like really into it. And so I created this care package. It was like this, I put a copy of her book in this brown paper bag and I had this like red fire paper bursting out and I had these, um, fire starter tattoos that her team had sent me. And I like went out and bought some additional things like these chocolate fire chili bars and wrote this really thoughtful note and also sent an email pitch as well um, that I spent a lot of time on. And then I like hand delivered this package to Hearst magazines. And then I, um, what I did is I also took a photo of it and and forwarded the pitch to her as well. And Danielle was like, Oh my God, um, this pitch is impeccable. Every single word, you know, you're so in your zone. And I think that just to break it down, it's that I, you know, I'm not just helping people because it's like, oh, they're important and I want to get something from them. For me, the gift of being helpful and making someone's day and developing that relationship with a person I care about, that's a reward. So I'm done. I don't need like anything from anyone. I think people sense that. So they feel very open to connecting and that sort of thing. And then I think the second thing is I identified an opportunity and just took action with permission versus waited for one. And the other thing is once I did something really thoughtful, um, you know, I, I let the person know because sometimes we do nice things for people or we feel like this person's amazing. We tell our friends about them or, you know, we just feel it in our hearts, but we never even let the person know. And so many, you know, experts, entrepreneurs, people who are making a difference, they want to know. So I think that it's just like a lot of these little things combined. They actually really make a massive difference. And this is just kind of how I operate every single day. I do this stuff all the time. It's my way of being. And that's why when I started my business, I had um, endorsements on my website from Danielle Laporte, Marie Forleo, um, and shortly after people like Derek Halpern, Lewis Howes, a lot of magazine editors. And so even though I had no experience, I did have a lot of people believing in me, right? So that just comes back to why relationships are so important and can really transform your business. Yes. And Danielle has been a guest on the show. Thanks to you. And <laughs> it, what you're saying really reminds me too of what my former guest, David Bach, uh, said and and he actually borrowed this from Zig Ziglar, which is that you want to be a go giver in life, not a go getter. Uh, huh. Yeah, which I think is it. It really does echo what I'm hearing from you in that you're saying you know the gift of being helpful is reward enough, and to be helpful uh, without any expectation of recipro- reciprocity, uh, I think is well, it's pretty awesome. There aren't that many yeah. people out there <laughs> like that. And I think that's one way to definitely stand out. You have a free 31-page report in it. You talk about how you went from zero to earning $157,000 in your first year as a coach. You've already demonstrated that you are someone who is willing to go out on a limb and uh, go outside your comfort zone. How did you also find the, the, the confidence to charge what you charged in that first year? 
as so many of my listeners, I think, who want to get into their own business, particularly, you know, online products or uh, service, how do you know what to charge? And then how do you charge the premium prices? Sure. Um, yeah. So there's a lot of different ways to know what to charge. I mean, one is also just being aware of what's in the marketplace, as well as um, also just being honest with yourself in terms of what you can deliver. Because I don't think I mean, of course, all of us want to be able to charge premium rates. Um, but I don't think that any of us truly want to charge premium rates if we're not offering value that is commensurate to that. Um, so, I mean, the first thing I did was I, I did a lot of research. So I knew kind of what the range was. And I started off as, um, you know, doing just pure like publicity execution work. And so I knew and that that is a very big range. Um, but then eventually I shifted over to um, coaching. And one of the ways I got a sense of what to charge is my business coach actually told me what to charge. Um, and this was an extremely expensive business coach. I just signed up for a one-year program. So I was not going to pay um, the amount of money that I paid and not do what she told me. So that's kind of how it got started. Um, the other thing is, so I was in a mastermind with her. And I mean, I'll just share with your audience. It was it was like over $26,000. It was like a crazy amount of money. But I knew that a lot of my friends were actually working with her. And so for me, I'm actually willing to take a lot of risks and make big investments if I know that the reward is or the return is going to be so much greater than the investment. And it has been because, you know, I, I have a multiple six-figure business, you know, by the end of this year, you know, and definitely, well, by the end of this year, it'll be close to seven figures and next year it will definitely be seven figures. And it's really because of the decision that I made to work with a coach. And, um, you know, and so I was in her mastermind, which was really a, a high price mastermind, but then it also like by making that investment in myself, and being in a mastermind, I realized that I could do the same thing too. And so I created that, but I couldn't have just created a high-end mastermind if I hadn't made that investment first. And also I knew that I had something that was really valuable. Um, Cause while, you know, when I first started, I was just, you know, when I did the publicity work and then some coaching, I realized that one thing that everybody kind of valued that I had was the relationships that I had spent, you know, 15 plus years building with online influencers and magazine editors and TV producers and literary agents. And so with the mastermind, I was able to, um, you know, create, well, coaching, but also events where I'd bring all these people together that I spent years, you know, nurturing these relationships with. And when you work with a publicist, understandably, there's no guarantees. You'll pay a retainer, but they can't say you're going to be in this magazine or, or that you're going to get you a phone call with this person. But I could actually guarantee people come to my events and you're going to meet, you know, 30, 50, you know, power players from Entrepreneur Magazine, Oprah Magazine, Glamour, people like Farnoosh, you know, all sorts of people. And so because I was able to provide that kind of value that wasn't really um, available in the marketplace and, and, and the format that I was offering it, I was able to charge a premium rate. So that was a big part of it amongst other things that I talk about in the report. Were, and I will say that when, when you and I were negotiating my fee that I was going to pay to you, you know, it's, it's in my DNA to always negotiate. And, right. and you were like, nope, this is my rate. And I really, part of me felt defeated, but also a bigger part of me felt this woman's awesome. 
And I want to work with her because you held your ground. And I knew that as someone who was going to be my coach and represent me, that was going to be a quality that I wanted in that person. Um, so ironically, I decided to work with you because you didn't <laughs> give me a discount. Okay, <laughs> but in that particular, that. I mean, it, it, it made sense at the time. And I'm, I'm like I said, I, I have no regrets. It was uh, it was worth every penny. Speaking of money, Selena, what's your financial philosophy? We have spent so much time because really, I'm I'm very curious about your the inner workings of your business. But now let's talk a little bit about personal finances and and share with us your financial philosophy. Sure. Um, Well, let's see. I I mean, to be honest, I really love to give. So when I have money, I like to, I don't know, I I enjoy like spending the money like on people, on team, on buying gifts for people and things like that. So I'm definitely a giver. I also just know that there's always more from, you know, where that came from. And I, I kind of have this mindset that the, the, that the sky is the limit. And I just, I know the potential. So I don't really like hoard my money. Um, so that really is my financial philosophy. Um, although now I have a, um, like a bookkeeper slash CFO who helped me create a budget because I did get into a situation where I was growing my business so quickly and simultaneously I was spending money so quickly because I wanted to have that team. I wanted to build information products. I want everything to be the best of the best. And I had a month where I was like, Oh my gosh, I don't have enough money to pay my team. And so I just, well, what I did is I just didn't pay myself. And, um, I did some things to get myself back on track, but I didn't want to be in that situation. And it's not natural for me to like watch every penny or be super conservative. It's more natural for me to just offer a lot of value in the world and come up with creative ideas to make more money. So I have somebody who serves as, um, you know, that person for me so that we're growing in a really healthy way. Is there any part of that budget that you really feel the, 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 like, I guess the, the, uh, the pain of, <laughs> of not being able to spend as much as you thought you could spend on say food or travel or anything like that. Like, how is the budget working out for you is my question. Yeah. I mean, there was this, um, and, and you know, I'm not going to share the, the name of the person, but there was this other pro, but you know who I'm talking about. There's this other, um, investment I wanted to do. It was a year long thing. And it was like a $25,000 investment. And I was so like, I'm going to do it. And I've got the money in my bank account. But after talking to my, um, you know, bookkeeper, he was like, yeah, but we need to save money for taxes and we need this kind of cushion in case this happens or this launch doesn't go well. And I know you want to invest in Facebook ads, which will grow your list so that you can actually sell more product. I was like, okay, fine. I'm not going to do it. So, um, but I usually invest in whatever I want. It just might be, it has to be at a later point. I mean, obviously I'm not going to invest in anything if I feel like it's a waste of money and the money could be better put elsewhere. But the things that I want are the things that I really believe will grow my business. Um, and so if I really want it, I'll make it happen. It might not just be right away. You did not grow up in this country, did you? No. <laughs> Talk a little bit about your background and specifically your exposure to money growing up as a child and then as a, a young woman growing up. Yeah, I think that, um, I mean, my dad was a stockbroker. He was actually the 
vice chairman of the Hong Kong Stock Exchange, and he was very money focused. But um, we, you know, my dad would always have dinner parties at our home with lots of people. Um, so we were all about like entertaining people and making them feel really taken care of. And um, when we would go out for dinner, I mean, this is very common in Chinese culture. It's like everybody fights over the bill. It's not like, oh, yeah pay for me so I can save money. It's like, it's a sign of like honor and respect to be taking care of people. And so I just feel like that is like kind of now a part of who I am, where I really enjoy taking care of people and paying for things. It shows it's like a sign of respect and showing how much I care. I love that. Um, what would you say is your biggest failure, Selena, so far, financially speaking, um, that, mm-hmm. that you've learned a tremendous amount from? Financially speaking, um, I mean, one was kind of getting into that cash crunch and then just having to really like um, hustle so that I could, you know, get revenue back to where it needed to be. That was definitely a very stressful time for me. Um, I'm trying to think. I don't know if this is finance. I mean, I guess it kind of, I don't know, it has to do with probably like hiring certain team members um, and just, Yeah. And I guess there is that investment piece with that. I think sometimes I've hired people because, you know, they seem amazing. They're really great at interviewing, but I've also discovered that the people who are sometimes the best at interviewing, um, are really good because they have a lot of experience doing that. And, um, you know, maybe keeping people on or paying a certain rate because they were so good at marketing themselves and then realizing that they can't really deliver. Um, so now, you know, I, I'll, you know, depending on what the service is, like I'll pay a certain amount, but it's really, I need somebody to show me that they're a great investment for me and my business. But over time, I'm happy to pay more, but now I'm a lot more conservative about how much I pay people. And also I think that, you know, when people start out, I mean, I made this mistake too, is they're like, oh, well, I just need like one assistant and she's just going to do 10 hours a week. So I can pay a lot, you know, and pay like, 20%, 50% or whatever the number is like more than maybe what you should be paying. It's like, it's not a big deal. But then eventually when you have several people working in your business and it all adds up to like 40 hour weeks, you know, what multiple people combine and it's like so many layers of expenses, you cannot be paying like, you know, premium rates are not justified. Otherwise you're going to go out of business. So I think that I um, spent a little bit too much too early with some people. And so now I'm very thoughtful about that. That's hilarious. This concept of, well, he's really good at interviews, um, maybe because he's had a lot of them. <laughs> yeah, it's true. That's, I never actually. thought of it that way. Uh, yeah. Hiring the right people is uh, is an art and you, you're only going to learn the the art after several tries. I think, you know, um, it's, it's easier to, uh, well, I should say it's harder to um, fire people than it is to hire the right one sometimes. Uh, yeah. And that can be a real taxing thing on, on a business. What would you say is your number one financial habit? What do you do routinely, Selena, that helps you with your with your with your money? Um, yeah. So like I said, I, I've been working with this bookkeeper slash CFO. And so he created a budget for my business. We use this software called YNAV, which stands for you need a budget. And so, you know, I'm looking at those numbers all the time. It's just, I know it's fun for me to look at the numbers. And then also I have like a spreadsheet with, um, you know, revenue projections, um, for 
well, this year we're kind of set. So I developed one for next year and, um, it's just fun to play with the numbers and see, okay, I have this many people on my list. I convert at this rate and it brings in this amount of money. So, um, yeah, I mean, my strength is really, you know, making money versus like, you know, (laughs) saving money. Um, although I do save money, but I have somebody who assists with that. Um, so I focus a lot of my creative energy on how I can make more money. Um, and that's just really fun to look at those spreadsheets and numbers. Yes, we love YNAB. It's so money. We had the founder of YNAB, Jesse Meekum, on the show um, a couple months ago. Yeah, he's the company is brilliant. And uh, everyone should check it out, YNAB.com. All right, Selena, you've been a great guest. Are you ready for some so money fill in the blanks? Yeah. (laughs) How cheesy is this? Okay, if I won a million, if I won the lottery tomorrow, let's say $100 million, the first thing I would do is? Hire more people. The one thing that I spend my money on that makes my life easier or better is? I love getting massages. I, I typically try to get a massage once a week. Wow. Maybe that's why you're such in a, in a good mood all the time. I need to invest more <laughs> in that sort of stuff. My biggest guilty pleasure that I spend a lot of money on is, can I guess this one? Uh, oh, do you know? I okay. think I might know. Um, is it... Um, like oh, wait, there's a few expensive rest, like fancy food, like yeah, that's yeah. it. Or like cocktails. So food. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It just, it just, you know, some people like, um, like I love to eat versus eat to live. So yeah. All right. Uh, one thing I wish I had known about money growing up is, um, I don't think I knew that I had the ability to make a lot of money because I was always focused on helping people and you know volunteering and just you know, all of that. So it wasn't until the past couple of years I've developed this new self-concept that I can, I actually have the ability to make a lot of money. When I donate, I'd like to give to blank because? Um, I love to give to, um, you know, girls um, causes or, or education um, just because, you know, you invest in things that you can relate to or you can see a piece of yourself. And I just know how powerful it's been for me to have an education, to grow my business and just other people uh, investing and believing in me. So that's what I would donate to. And last but not least, I'm Selena Sue. I'm so money because? Because, um, because I, I believe in giving generously and I feel like the more that I give to others, the more I'll end up, you know, bringing into my own life. Love that. Thank you so much, Selena. I can't wait to see you again soon. And thank you for sharing all this really juicy stuff with our audience. I feel very fortunate to uh, to know you and to have you on the show. So thank you very much. Thanks, Farnoosh. That's a wrap. If you'd like to learn more about Selena and receive her free report, visit s2-groupwithane.com forward slash free report. We've got all this information at somoneypodcast.com where you can also find the transcript and comments from this episode and all previous episodes. And I want to hear from you. Submit your question about money or work or life and guests at somoneypodcast.com and there's a very good chance that I will answer it on the Friday episode. Remember, we're changing things up here on So Money. We are no longer a seven-day-a-week show. We're five days a week, Monday through Friday, Monday through Thursday. I bring you guest interviews. Fridays, I turn the tables and answer your money questions. Or you can also tweet me at Farnoosh and use the hashtag So Money if you'd like to connect there. I will be looking all over, up, down, left, right for your questions and look forward to hearing from you. Thanks so much for tuning in. Hope your day is so money. So Money.